this week's episode of Aussie Tech is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco. And keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. Startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 725 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. What's up, dude? Uh, about that. About that. <laughs> a little bit more, maybe, depending on the day. Yep. Going to have Eclipse next Wednesday night. Fair enough. It should be interesting. That's it's the last, day, last uh, show, my last radio show. Uh, it's a sign. It's a sign. I saw the sign. Not a very good one. And but... it opened up. It's an omen. It's a good omen. <laughs> I I end my show, and thus the world ends. Chop. Finished. Well, technically, if the second one happened, the first one would happen by default. We had a good run. <laughs> the human race did all they could, but it's yeah. time to go. It should be pretty think. interesting. I think the best time to check is about 9.30. It's supposed to be a cloudy day but hopefully that clears up at night i'll just only problem with me finishing that night is i could have gone up to up the coast a bit and uh there's a group up there of astronomers going to have their big giant telescopes out and doing talks on it and uh you'll have eclipse glasses and all this sort of stuff which would have been really awesome well, at least you can watch the live stream yeah <laughs> Not me, so what's been going on with you? Oh, about that. Just been flat out, achieving absolutely nothing. Sounds good. Because that's, I mean, how I live my life, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I just ordered a good dash cam because somebody nearly did me a head on. At least we we're only going 40, so. That was funny. But these L-platers, you got to watch out for them when they take a corner a bit wide. <laughs> I got my, my current dash cam was a El Cheapo $25 reject shop thing that does the job, but it would be good to get something really good quality and get an app that you can review stuff on and a touchscreen and all that stuff. So we were all, we're all L platers once. Yeah. 
Hmm. I didn't go on the other side of the road going around a corner very often, though. Uh, I, I did one time going around Bulladilla Mountain because it was raining and I had a van that had absolutely nothing in it. They had all these very sharp corners. And I turned this way and the van kept going straight ahead and then came back in. I was like, okay, I'm going to take this a lot, lot, lot slower because if it had been somebody on the other side of the road, there's nothing I could have done about it. <laughs> yeah, we were traveling up um, oh, a couple of years ago. I think it was on a honeymoon, actually. And we were traveling um, through a range. It didn't seem that cold, but apparently it was cold enough and there was black ice right in the middle of one of the corners. Oh. Came around the corner and the old jackaroo spun, spat sideways on me and <laughs> I gathered it up. But yeah, it was like, that was, I don't mind going sideways around a corner when I'm the one telling the car to go sideways, but when it <laughs> decides to do it by itself. When, when you're just a passenger <laughs> and not a driver anymore, it's a bit worrying. <laughs> I had one time when I was living in Melbourne, I was coming up to a T intersection and the light was just changed orange just before I got there. So I thought I'll just sneak through. But it had been raining, so it was slick. So I did a 360 <laughs> and then back off that way. I thought it was a good show for the people who are parked at either side of the traffic lights. You know, nobody like, noticed. Did nobody you see noticed what he did? Perfectly incognito. Nobody saw a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Can we do some news, Mr. T? Uh, I suppose we can try. Sure. Spotify is entering the virtual concert business. Just as in-person concerts are becoming more of a possibility, the company announced today that people can now buy tickets to five different concert streams, which will air throughout May and June. Initial list artists include the Black Keys, Jack Antonoff of the Bleachers and Leon Bridges. The streams are all pre-recorded, but can only be viewed at a given time through the web browser. These shows aren't available on demand and they aren't accessible through the Spotify. What the is the point then? <laughs> we're going to do this thing that you can't actually access or use whenever you want to, but it's... We're, we're going to act like an old TV station where you had to be there at exactly nine o'clock to watch this thing. But if you're overseas <laughs> and it's like four in the morning, you won't be... What? So dumb. So Tickets cost $15, that would be American, and viewers must have a Spotify account to watch the show. You can set up a free Spotify account during the ticket buying process if they don't already have one. You can check out the FAQ page. You can always set up a free Spotify account. What? You can check out the FAQ page for more details, but notably tickets are tied to individual users' accounts, so they're non-transferable. And if you end up missing the show, you can't get a refund. This sounds great for Spotify's bottom line, doesn't it? Well, are we like 1987 or something? <laughs> oh, Spotify says each artist recording will air at four different times to account for the world's various time zones. So you have to select your preferred time. Yeah, but you've got, but you, you could get, still miss out if something happens. That's, it's not like you can watch all four of them. You get to watch one of them. For $15 US. Yeah. And if you get neighbours or somebody gets sick and you can't make it, then you still miss it. Yeah. Why not just not make it a, a single one-time watch anytime you want? Or give them like they do with the, the DVD, the uh, movies that you rent on like Sony or something, and they say you've got 72 hours to watch this and then it can be deleted or something like that. Um, Spotify pre... Hmm? I was going to say, it's just dumb. Everything <laughs> about that's dumb. 
Spotify previously participated in the concert ecosystem by allowing artists to list shows through its app and link out to ones from specific partners like Eventbrite. In 2017, the company said generate more than 40 million in ticket sales through its Fans First program, which gives fans extra perks like early access to tickets. It also hosted its own in-person events tied to its playlist branding, including Rap Caviar, yo, and Viva Latino. It's like Viva Las pen- Vegas. <laughs> it's like the budget version of Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> During the pandemic, the company started listing virtual concerts too. $15 for these pre-recorded concerts seems a bit steep, especially because it isn't much different than the live sets you can likely find from late night shows Mm. or other specials for free on YouTube or Instagram Live. But it seems like Spotify is trying to find a new revenue stream and a way to keep fans engaged during a time when most have been disconnected from the idea of live music. It's unclear if the company intends to keep up the virtual concert series. Uh, probably not. No. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll give you, like, some of the bands, I can't think of the, I'll have to go through my emails and find it, but there's a uh, a group that was doing that, but they were doing a lot of, con- like, a lot of bands who were in quarantine were in quarantine together because they they effectively live together more than they live at home. Yep. You know, they tour 300 days a year, a lot of them, so... <clears throat> They're all working out of the same recording studio, which might be a cottage in yeah. the middle of... Forever, and there was a lot of bands who were doing live streams of either recording sessions or writing sessions or Q and A's or just jam sessions, or they're putting on in-house concerts, and they're doing them for free on Twitch and on YouTube, and or sometimes they're a Patreon special for like five bucks. Yeah, and once it's done, you get to watch the recording over and over again as much as you want. You know, like. Uh- <laughs> And that money is actually going to the artist as opposed to Spotify where like, I don't know, whatever it is, 20% or whatever it is that they earn actually goes to the artist. Like, you Even know. less for streaming oh, streams, yeah, they get paid like point zero 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 one cent per stream or something. Yeah. yeah it's just... if, you, if you don't have it on Spotify, a lot of people won't listen to it. So you put your stuff there, but you don't get paid much anyway. No. No. So that's what I mean. Some of the artists are doing the full independent thing now because it, ultimately it's just a better revenue stream. Yep. You know, even if you you might lose a bit in terms of total viewership, but you definitely win out in terms of financial. Yeah, you, know, you don't need a middleman to take some extra money just because they've got a platform. No. OK Go was one of the first bands to do that. They're fantastic. And they were with Sony or something and... They had all these visions of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it and how they wanted to put their stuff on YouTube. And Sony's like, we can't, we can't let you do that. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> and then, like, were they the ones who said, we're bringing out an album, pay whatever you want for it, we don't care? And they got millions more than they would have if they had sold it through a publisher. Yeah, there's been a few few groups that have done that now. Um, Was Green Day one? Um, Green Day might have been. There's another guy who, who did, um, another band who did a thing where it was like $2 and you could download all their songs. Yep. Or like $10 that sends you a, an SD card. And like 40 bucks and they'd send you a, uh, and a CD. And yep. it was like 100 bucks and they'd send you like a CD, an SD card and a record. And like for 1000 bucks, they sent you like this treasure chest full of all sorts of stuff. And yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so they had all these different tiers. But ultimately, they discovered that like... 
because they were so flexible and because they had so many variations there, every single one of their tiers was used. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yep. just the people downloading the free music. It was people buying SD cards and people buying CDs and people buying these chests. Like, people yep. were spending $1,000 to you have this have thing. The thing. You know? <laughs> I'm your number one fan. I bought four of the chests. Yeah, you know, and it's just like, it just goes to show you that, I mean, the old, the old way is dying, but this TV and, and radio and records are stuck so far, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's, it's just ridiculous. Spotify wants to jump on the 40 years ago well, bandwagon. That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> they started off being this thing like iHeartRadio where you can listen to whatever you wanted to for free and get the occasional ad in there. Yep. Then they're going back to exactly the same structure that killed radio stations and killed record labels. Like that's, we thought video you know, was going to kill the radio star. No, it was it was dumbass financial advice is what did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think I'll be I'll be fine. Thanks. I'll just you know, if I want my playlist, I'll just go to YouTube and go add to playlist and. Yep, and <laughs> he's done. <laughs> so, I don't know, but. Uh, Speaking of old ancient technology that should have gone away a long time ago. Me? Nah, not denying it. Uh, <laughs> Internet Explorer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Internet Explorer is almost as old as you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's only as old as me. Um, Microsoft is dropping support for Internet Explorer of and Windows 10. much rejoicing. From June 15th, 2022. You know when they should have done that? Uh, Windows 95 in alpha or something when they're thinking of it they should have they should have like, I get it while they had it in Windows 3.1 because nobody else did it that's fine okay I understand that once 95 came out they should have hey here's this thing we don't need anymore it's just you can install it if you want actually you could back then <laughs> Yeah, you actually used to have the option of installing it if you wanted to uh, but yeah so Microsoft taking another big step getting rid of Internet Explorer next year um so they're saying June 15th, 2022, data retirement for i11 desktop application for most versions of Windows, but not all. The retirement does not affect the in-market Windows 10 long-term servicing channel, so the corporate stuff, basically. Which means the Queensland government's fine. They can still use their Index 407 for the next few years. I'll be right. <laughs> um, On their 486. Yeah, that's it. They're, they're dumb terminals that they have everywhere. Um, the replacement for Internet Explorer on Windows 10, obviously, is a new Microsoft Chromium-based Edge, or Chrome, or Opera, or Firefox, <laughs> or... <laughs> All the things. So, I have Edge on this computer. I don't think I've even loaded it up, to be honest. It's still... I loaded it up to download Chrome. Yeah, that's... Okay, <laughs> I... I no, I don't need to because I've got the offline version of Chrome sitting on the NAS, so I don't even have to. Ah. <laughs> I don't even have to download open Chrome to do, open. What's the name to do that? <laughs> I love um, when browsers first came out and people were like, "Where do I get this Netscape thing?" You go to www.netscape.com. Yeah, but what do I, do I used to get there? there? Well, you need Netscape. <laughs> Use. <laughs> you need to install Windows Explorer that came on your install disk. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually, uh, back then when demo discs were a thing, that was great because you could get a demo disc and they all had, they never advertised it on the magazine or whatever, but they all had like Netscape, they had like WinZip, 
they had the winner or yeah mosaic like there was always like six or eight programs they all had all the time didn't matter what disc you grabbed it would be on there (laughs) and then started two cows who did that online norton and vet i love two cows that was the big thing back in the day it was two cows and uh is it what's what is it file 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 hippo Hippo? yeah file hippo is great (laughs) is dog dog pile one Dog pile, that's engine. search engine. That's like, uh, that's like Web Wombat. The crypto market took a massive hit on early mm. trading on Wednesday, setting more than $841 billion in value. 41% drop from Wednesday night's high of $2.05 trillion. Crypto total market cap was at a record high of $2.57 trillion last Wednesday, and price have been falling steadily ever since, fueled in part by Elon Musk's comments about Bitcoin. He said last week that Tesla would no longer accept Bitcoin as mining the digital currency hurts the environment. He prompted speculation that Tesla would dump its Bitcoin holdings, which it acquired only a few months ago. But Musk said Tesla would not sell its Bitcoin. (laughs) Then on Wednesday, Chinese authorities announced new bans on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and the entire market tanked. Bitcoin lost nearly $13,800 in value, dropping from $43,840 to $31,15. That's American. Yeah. A week ago, Bitcoin was trading as high as $57,700. At the time of writing, Bitcoin recovered to $39,211, with plenty of coins changing hands. Every other digital token saw similar price swings in early trading. It feels like deja vu as the market has frequently delivered similarly abrupt changes in both directions. Bitcoin and other cryptos can rise to record highs without warning, just as they can suddenly correct unexpectedly low prices. Bitcoin is not traded as low as $30,000 since early January. Every other coin saw double-digit losses on Wednesday morning, with some coins losing well over 50% of their value in a matter of hours. Panic selling, news of margin calls, mm-hmm. and people calling for buying the dip are all regular events for these massive price swings in the cryptocurrency market. This massive volatility and the promise of monstrous gains are what attract many people to the market, but China's stand on cryptocurrencies will make it difficult for some people in <laughs> mainland China to buy and sell digital coins. Three Chinese industry bodies, including the National Internet Finance Association of China, the China Banking Association and the Payment and Clearing Association of China, announced a joint statement on Tuesday that financial institutions and payment companies are banned from providing cryptocurrency transactions. Again. That'll stop them. This week. So, Like it stopped them last time. Yeah, for a week. <laughs> so I just put it in perspective... A week ago, Bitcoin was trading at, this is in AU, 66,000. Yep. Uh, it crashed to 43,000 uh, and has recovered to 52 now, so it's somewhere back in the middle. Ah. Um, and, you know, depending on what coin, like, they're all crashed, they're all starting to, they're on the upward recovery. But here's the thing that I find hilarious. So, we did maths on this me and Warlock sat down in the night and worked this out, roughly. Tesla had shares for yeah, three to four months. Yeah. In that period of time, depending exactly when they bought it, but they potentially spent about two and a half, no, what did we say, 2.8 to 3 billion they bought worth of shares. Billion with the B. In that period of time, because they were spruiking the coin and promoting the coin internally for legitimate reasons 
the value of the coin went up to such that in that four-month period, we worked out they made almost somewhere in the vicinity of $900 million to a billion dollars in profit. Yep. And then pulled it out the day before Elon goes, hey, guess what? Crypto sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that crypto sucks. I think so, he still likes Doge and others. Yeah, well, Doge, but it tanked the whole thing. And yep. at the same time, and I don't believe it was... Um, I don't believe it was coincidental because it's such an unusual event to happen. The co-founder of, um, I want to say Ethereum, was it Ethereum or Litecoin? Litecoin, I think. Yeah, decided that, hey, we need to rebalance our shares. So I'm just going to dump three, was it three billion? I think it was. Something like that, yeah. He just burnt off three billion and put it into a dead dead wallet account <laughs> just to rebalance their... Rebalance their uh, their coin oh, a bit. Sounds good. So basically, between Litecoin and Bitcoin in a several hour period, lost $6 billion straight up, <laughs> not including what happened to the actual coin prices after that. Yep. Like it's, just, and, but everyone's blaming Elon. I'm like, no, he did exactly the thing that you're supposed to do. It's how people make money with shares. He bought it when it was low. He spruked it to get the, get it up. Once it got up to where he thought it was going to peak, he pulled his shares out and then it tanked because he sold sh- shares. Like, it, it's <laughs> that's how it works. You know, so everyone's blaming Elon, but the man's a genius. Like, to know that he has that firepower at his disposal to do that. Yeah. You know, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's, he's very, very, very smart. But, uh, yeah, it didn't do me any favours for, for Doge. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, but I think everything will come back up again by the end of the financial year. I think most stuff will be reset back to where it was. I have noticed that difficulty um, on a lot of coins has... So, there's... When you're mining coins or when you're... you're uh, when, when coins are being mined, whether you're mining them, whether you're buying into them, but when coins are being mined, they have difficulty levels. So the harder the difficulty level, the longer it takes at a certain rate to mine a coin. So you either need to throw more hashing rate at it to mine it faster, or you just got to wait longer to get the same amount of coin. Um, on several of the coins that I mine on and off, I've noticed that hashing rates actually drop, like the, the what they call the difficulty of the coin. So how hard it is to mine that coin yep. has actually come back down to where some of it as far as 12 or 18 months ago. Um there's some coins that I've been mining that I was mining at one coin a day and now I'm mining at one coin an hour. So, and then when the price goes back up, yeah. you've got 24 times more coins than you had before. Yeah, that's right. Um, so because the one upside to everything tanking is that they're all on a level playing field in so far as, okay, some stuff dropped three or four percent some stuff dropped 20 percent, but every almost every single coin in the last week has dropped yeah well bitcoin everything is a um coin pair derivative of bitcoin bitcoin so if when you when you go onto the markets like binance or something like that and you want to get engine or ethereum or something you transfer your money there in bit by bitcoin and then you buy the other coin using however many bitcoins you've got. So if Bitcoin goes down, the others go down because they're all paired to it. Mm. 
There are a handful of exceptions. There was some, um, what they call, um, oh, what do they call them? Uh, like fan tokens or whatever they are. Like some of the soccer clubs and that had their clubs have tokens. A lot of, weirdly, a lot of that stuff's gone up. And some uh-huh. of it, a lot, like some of them have gone from a dollar a token to like 40 and $50 a token. Like some of that Jeez. stuff <laughs> really went nuts. Um, and some of the things like Australia coin went up, it got stronger. Yep. Um, but see, it's not linked to Bitcoin in the traditional sense. You can't actually convert Bitcoin to Australia coin. You actually need to convert Bitcoin to, I think it's to ethereum to something else to australia coin like you gotta do like three steps so it's far enough removed that it actually had the opposite effect and because the coins it was converting to went down it actually brought the value of the australia coin up right <laughs> so it's yeah but it's, it's going to be interesting next month just see what happens honestly yep. now if you, if you are thinking about getting into crypto now is the perfect time to do it because it will go up um, Especially it, if you want to just buy into it. Yeah, just throw 50 bucks. We are not financial advisors, disclaimer, disclaimer, etc. <laughs> if I was a financial advisor, do you think I'd be doing this show? <laughs> yes, for the love of it, because it's so much fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it, now that they have all tanked, it's, it's always, and it's the same whether you're buying shares or whether you're buying crypto, whether you're buying housing. Whatever you're buying, you always buy it when it's tanked and you sell it when it's high. And it's tanked at the moment. It's starting to go up. So now's the time to throw some money at it. Even I if don't... you want to just have some fun and chuck 20 bucks on it. The thing is, if you ch- if you throw $20 on a coin that's worth $0.10 cents and it suddenly becomes worth a dollar, you know, that's, that's a massive return on investment. You're better off yep. looking at small coins that are Bolts. low value rather than trying to buy one big coin. Like, you, you buy a Bitcoin at... You know, it's at sixty grand, and it might go up to sixty-one grand, and it might get down to fifty-five again. Yep. It's a lot of money to play with. You buy, you know, Ripple or whatever at four dollars a coin or whatever they are at the moment, and dollar ninety. Oh, dollar ninety is it? Yeah. What was four? What it was four dollars? Wasn't it like a week ago? So, um, dollar fifty. Yeah. So let's have a look. So there's an example of, of case in point. Like it was. It's gone up to two dollars twenty and it was down as low as a dollar twenty eight. So a dollar twenty eight yep. you throw I don't know, hundred and twenty eight dollars on it, you buy a hundred coins and then it was about a week after that it went up to two twenty. So you've suddenly nearly doubled your you doubled your money in a week and pull it out and put do on that with else, Bitcoin. You know? So you know. I was just looking at some of the coins, but yeah, the uh there's some weird some of the it's really bizarre. Some of the unknown weird coins are doing really, really well. <laughs> There's a couple here that are up like thirty and forty percent. Yep. Um, and they're just these obscure. I like somebody had messaged the guy on Twitter who created Dogecoin, and they're like, they gave him a few things, and they said, "And how much thought did you plan into putting?" this together so it would follow these things you go dude i put that coin together about two hours i wasn't thinking of anything <laughs> mm. well the funny thing is okay so dogecoin was just a a fun meme mock coin but shiba inu is a is a a mock coin of a mock coin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like it was it was 
um, down, if you go back to when it was, when did I see it? Um, yeah, so it was at point zero 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 one cents yep. per coin. And it got up to zero 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 four cents per coin. So it went up 400% in a month. So, so if you had $100 on that, you had $4,000 at the end of the month. Like that was a, <laughs> you know, a hell of an increase. Yeah. So you can get lucky sometimes. Do your research. Or don't. I mean, honestly, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> <laughs> you can research this as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it's pure ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, so, there used to be a company, well, there still is a company called Alienware, but back in the day when they first started, they used to make these modular laptops. Yep. They were all high-end, high-spec stuff, but you could... They were very, very well designed. You could swap out graphics card. You could swap out processors. You could swap out stuff like that. They're incredibly expensive machines, but they were really high-end, really high-quality, um, and they were designed to be upgradable. Well, there's a new company um, that's relatively newer. They've been out a little while. But do they still do the modular stuff now they got bought out? Not they do some like I know that there's like you can still upgrade the CPU I think but I don't think you can do the graphics cards anymore. Yeah. Not, Not that, that you could get a graphics card. <laughs> 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 um, but there's this company now called Framework, um, and they have what they call their modular laptop, and um, it's harking back to that era where. Um, the primary ones, the thirteen and a half inch notebooks, so their screens thirteen and a half inch. You know that sort of that size stays the same. Yep. Um, but y- you have the option to do. Um, uh, well, I'm just trying to find their their listing here, but you can change out everything from the same thing. You change out the CPU. You can change the, like the keyboard if you want to have a, cl- a clacky keyboard, like a or you want to have a soft touch keyboard, or you want to have black letter keys instead, or backlit keys. You can insert USB uh, B and C and HDMI and DisplayPort and micro SD adapters, and um, you can swap out uh, optical drives for batteries, for other hard drives, for um, you know all sorts of stuff. They start at. Um, uh, and they ship currently due to supply chain issues surprisingly <laughs> who would have thought they're currently shipping with either the i7 uh, 116 or the i7 118 um, which they would normally be their upper end systems and they do offer i5s but they're not available till later in the year um, same with RAM like currently the system's um, come with 32 but they have the option to come with 64 or 128 but basically they're supposed to be they start at a $749 for the base entry level which isn't available at the moment because the processors they can't get the processors um, but they go right up you know depending on what you want to do they go right up into like t- 2 grand 2.5 grand depending on you know, how much memory and hard drive and and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
you can currently order them if you want. Uh, it's a hundred dollar deposit if you want to put your money down on it, and if you if due to delays or whatever, if you can't be bothered waiting, you get that back. It's fully refundable. Um, fully refundable. So at the moment, once again, due to supply issues, they have the Intel Iris integrated GPU, so I can't get any other external GPUs for it. Um, but you know, it's got you. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not a hardcore gaming laptop, but it's a very high-end uh, personal laptop or office work laptop. Yeah. So it's relatively cheap too. And the good thing about it is, you know, if you do say, I don't know, say you buy it as a, a, you know, something to use at work and then you decide that you do want to actually have something you can play, you know, medium level games on, you can go, well, hang on, let's just chuck a better processor in this and let's chuck some more memory in it and, you know. There you go. And you don't Remember we talked about, was it a year or two ago, there was going to be an Android modular phone you could replace the camera, replace the battery, yep. replace whatever happened to that. I wonder. Um, I saw a variation of that at um, um, or whatever their thing was, the Google I/O. I/O. I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit different. It, it was still modular, but it was modular in a different way, like um. You could only change things like the camera. You change the camera lenses. You could change like whether it was stereo or mono. You could put in a stylus. So it didn't have that flexibility, the original one. But that would have been fantastic. I still think somebody needs to do that. Yeah. That fully modular phone was a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, you know, you wanted more battery. You take out the, take out the SD reader and you put a longer battery in and. Yeah, no, that was a great idea. And what's this stuff we got going across the top of our heads here? Um, oh, it's actually working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm never quite sure these days. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's if you're watching a video, obviously that's all the different places you can get a hold of us. Um, the main ones, uh, obviously, is our our Patreon. Um, we do really thank our patrons for their support. It does make a huge difference. In uh, you know, we're not we're not. Um, we don't have sponsors in any way, so we're not don't make revenue on YouTube. The ads you see don't we don't get the revenue for that. YouTube gets the revenue for that. So do you see their new um, terms of service? Private their new thing that uh, came out terms and conditions. Gonna talk about we're going to stick ads on it, even if you don't want it. We're going to keep the money. You can't have any of it. Yeah, even if you're a non-monetized platform like we are, they're going to yep. put at least a pre-roll and a mid-roll ad in. They're already putting mid-roll ads in. But now they're uh, going to put a pre-roll and a mid-roll in, and um, and they get, get the, the revenue. revenue from it because we're not we're not we're not don't meet their criteria to get to get revenue, so we won't get it, but they will. So by that's all a means, great idea, Google. You obviously Google's running out of money. Is yeah, that what it is? That's clearly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why why does Google keep coming up with these stupid ideas? For YouTube, where they just keep annoying the hell out of everybody who loved YouTube back when it was before Google, and even then when it became Google. And now it's like, how can we piss off our our fans yeah. by screwing them over a bit more? 
Well, I mean, Patreon's becoming a massive thing now. A lot of the, a lot of the guys I watch, um, they have to have a Patreon now because their content is blacklisted by YouTube and they can't get revenue on it. So they can no longer can do... And they just the, do it for no you know, reason. They don't really. get a revenue stream through through YouTube anymore. Um, so a lot of them going to Twitch and streaming on Twitch, which is fine, but a lot of stuff you can't stream. Like There's a lot of videos that take a lot of time to set up and, and do... You know, and they're the ones that are being, they're the ones that are being hurt by this. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, people don't usually really leave, use Twitch to search for old episodes and stuff like that, like you do with YouTube. No, you can, but you, you it's can, not really for that. You don't, and a lot of the creators don't have the archive. save the archive turned on anyway. Um, and it, it's just dumb because it's got to be somebody out there. Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> can can you just start up a, a Amatube or something? Because you I took mean, over Twitch, it took over yeah Twitch, and it was fine. Yeah. It's still going the same as it was before, but YouTube just keeps getting worse every couple of months. Yeah, and they're they're, they're they're pushing their creators away, then they're complaining that they're losing content. It's like, well, hang on, yeah. you're the one that's where the advertisers going to go with their know. money. Uh, there are some alternatives to YouTube, but realistically, there's not at the yeah. moment. Um, you know, there's there's a few places. Other there are other places you can upload videos, but at the end of the day, YouTube's the only place that ninety five percent of the world go to to watch videos. Yeah, you know, they've got a captive audience monopoly practically, so let's screw everyone over. So you know, if you're, you're watching, welcome. If you're watching channels like ours that aren't monetized, feel free to run AdBlock. Yeah. Um, but disable it. For, you can selectively choose what channel when you want AdBlock to be on and off. I uh, I I have a blanket um, on for YouTube. Yeah. Um, unless I know that there's certain people's channels I go to who have YouTube revenue, then I turn it off and allow the ads to run. Yeah. Um, but I watch a lot of small channels like us that aren't don't have ad revenue so i'm quite happy to block the youtube ads because it's yep. only youtube's not getting the revenue anyway so <laughs> where uh, can they give us money at mr will uh, i don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> um so you can patreon um dot com slash aussie tech is is the primary one um you can also get it from um coffee um what is it i look at that one it's not, like it's, it's not like it's hard. I just just can't remember that one. Uh, and of course, if you want to do other options, we have options. You can contact us directly, and we'll PayPal. we can organise PayPal or direct deposit, or you know, there's yep. a couple other guys who do it. Otherwise, so whatever or, way you want to give it to us, Bitcoin, we'll take it. Ethereum engine, yeah, we accept all sorts of currency. Uh, um, we should be uh, plugging Strayer Coin. We should get that guy back on again. He's going to come back on. Um, he's just waiting to get the new FPOS machines Beauty. in stock first, and then we'll he'll come back on. Um, but yeah, so or if there's anybody out there who <laughs> who wants to sponsor a show, I know there's a yeah. show that needs a sponsor, so that works out well. <laughs> um, so we have obviously coming out of this whole um, Google extravaganza that's been happening. No, there wasn't a lot of super interesting stuff to come out of it, but the new Android 12 uh, has, um, what is it called, Yellow Snow or something? 
<laughs> Snow cone. <laughs> Same thing. Close enough. <laughs> um, so there's a few things that uh, new privacy features and and there's a few bits and pieces that is implemented. It's not a huge thing, obviously. It's um, it has a few updates and stuff, but I mean, it's not ultimately not a massive change. But uh, you can, if you wish, and you don't currently have an Android or you want to check it out before you upgrade your phone, you can certainly um, you can certainly do it if you use a. Um, there's a few different ways of doing it, but basically you can use an emulator uh, on your PC and you can download it and put it on there and you can test it out and see if it's suitable for you. It won't support... There are some phones that are currently known to not work correctly, especially mainly the older ones. Um, yep. there's, once you get sort of a couple of years old, backwards compatibility can be an issue just purely for either processor speed, amount of... Available storage on device, um, or even wrong architecture device like that particular, you know, chipset may not be supported anymore. Um, but so currently, the ones that have already rolled out is the Pixels, effectively from the three right through up. Basically, they've rolled out the new firmware on those. Yep. The next ones apparently that are going to be um, well, the other phones that are currently known to be supported. Uh, Asus Xenophone, the OnePlus, the Oppo X3, Techno Kemen, the TCL20, VVIQ, the, all the Xiaomi range, pretty much. All the, the Xiaomi Mi stuff. Um, the t- 9s, 10s, 11s, all, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and the ZTE uh, Axion. Um, Shamsung should be in there somewhere. Not at the moment. Not officially. Whoa. Yeah, the... Yeah, there is um, like sharp handsets and Realme handsets and stuff like that that they're rolling out. But um, I think part of the problem is with like Samsung, for an example, is that the Note, the Galaxy, the Galaxy S, the the tablet, Ultra. they they all have different processors. They all have different chipsets. Like it wasn't just a at least with the Xiaomi, they have different processor speeds, but they're all using the same chipset. Oh yeah. Yep. So it's easy. You've only got to write one lot of code, and it works across the whole range. Could be Qualcomm or Exynos, or yeah, um, Snapdragon. I think Qualcomm. I think it's the yep. Snapdragon octa-cores, I think they are. Yep. I have to double check that. But um, whereas a lot of your yeah, a lot of your Samsungs and a lot of your HTCs and stuff like that, they have ten different phone or four or five different phone ranges, but each one of those uses a different processor chipset or a motherboard chipset. And even some of them, even within the spec, so you might have a, um, you know, the Note and the Note Pro. Well, the Note and the Note Pro use two different processors. Right, right. So you might have five, <laughs> five product ranges with three products in each range, so suddenly you've got 15 different processors you've got to try and cover. Yeah. So a lot of them are taking a while to, um, to come out. But, I mean, you know, not that... Um, <clears throat> I'm in some too much of a hurry to to update anyway. Like, I for what it's offering, I, I really don't know if it's worth the. Yep, they copied a mm. few things from Apple. The privacy dashboard, and it'll have a microphone and camera indicators, probably in the um, top bar. I'm gonna guess. Yeah. App hibernation feature should do a lot better. Um, I mean, and. The, 
most of that stuff has been third-party apps for anyway. So yeah. it's not like it's, you know... And they're going to let people who are developers bring out um, optimized apps for the super faster phones so you can have the normal normal code for your standard range, mid-range phones and then anything that's a high end, you can target for super better performance, better visuals and stuff like that. Mm. Which I've kind of had support for, but it's never been great. Yeah. Um, you can go to the develop, developer.android.com and slash for um, Android, search for Android 12 on there and it'll bring up pages of stuff they've done if, you, if you're really keen. But um, yeah, look, I mean, if you've, got a, if you've got an older phone with probably like 9 or 10, it might be worth looking to see if it's updatable. Um, if you've already got 10 or 11, anyway, it's probably not really that much of a, <coughs> a requirement. I will when I can, just because um, I like to live on the edge. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My Because uh, I've got the same phone here as I've got at work, I'll probably upgrade the work phone, because if it dies, I don't really care. <laughs> but I won't upgrade my personal one yet until I know that... <laughs> I got, you know. People can't rig me to order stuff, that's fine, but... <laughs> As long well, as I know when I can come home to dinner. I use this phone. I use my personal one more than I use the work one at work. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if the work one works when I update it, well, okay, I'll swap over. But if something goes wrong and lose my data, I've got too much. Even though I back it up, it's just a hassle. It's just one yeah. one less hassle. I, I could, if I can avoid, I will. Yeah. I only do that kind of thing when I trade in, get a different phone. And you should see um, the guys at Telstra. They're like, okay, so... I guess we're going to have to plug a cable in and transfer all your stuff across. I'm like, no, hang on. There you go. I just factory reset it. Yeah. They're like, what? I said everything's in the cloud and everything's stored. I don't I don't have anything that I'll lose because it's all backed up everywhere. So just give me the new phone and I'll set it up when I get home. They're like, oh, this is the fastest sale I've ever done. <laughs> I wish they were all like this. And there's another... Um really cool app called um, Virtual virtu- um, virtual Data Cable. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's called. You just Bluetooth it or something? And um, it uses the Wi-Fi. And oh, that'd it, be faster. It, it, yeah, it uses Wi-Fi, but it sees it. Yeah, it basically sets up a FTP server and you go to your web browser and you just type in the web address and it brings up a file manager. Yep. And you can literally just drag and drop off the phone onto your NAS or onto your PC or whatever. So I literally yep. just grab the entire like the entire drive, just dump it. Done. <laughs> you know, if I'm doing a partial, I'll just go into my uh, DCIM and go into pictures or whatever and just grab the handful of oh, backups. Yeah. But before I do a major operation or upgrade or whatever, I just dump, grab the whole lot. Every couple months, just grab the whole lot, dump the whole lot. Yeah. Um, it's so quick. Like you, even when you've got several gig of data, it only takes a few minutes. It's a really quick oh, way of good. doing it. Um, apparently, when you've got the um, these NASA's apparently there's an app I haven't looked at yet. There's an the, app for that. The Synology app that lets you automatically um, back up your phone every time you come into Wi-Fi range, oh. or once a day or whatever. Apparently, I Synology. should have a look at that. Mm, I haven't looked at them yet. I was reading about it the other day. Somebody mentioned it, and you can yeah, every time you once a day or when you come into range or however you want to set it up, it automatically backs your phone up onto your server onto your Sweet. NAS. So, oh, I got a, I was going to decommission my Synology, but maybe I won't now. Yeah, that's. No, I know it's. Why haven't I yet? Because I'm too lazy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So. 
The Australian Federal Police is using specially trained technology detection dogs. Of course they are. To sniff out USB drives, SIMs, and devices while executing search warrants. So dogs can smell your SD card hidden in your armpit or something. What? It's not where I hide mine. <laughs> in in the behind your ear is with some <laughs> chewing gum, is that it? That's what you meant, right? It's in that place yeah. I put that thing that time. <laughs> The agency said in social media posts the capability was a first for Australian law enforcement. Given their size, you can imagine how easily USBs and SIMs can be hidden from police to conceal evidence. Don't want to know where they concealed them. Since 2019, now three AFP technology detector dogs have located more than 120 devices during search warrants. Over the next three years, at least 12 more dogs will be trained and deployed across the country. The police said the dogs would boost its ability to collect vital digital evidence and bring to justice those who commit crimes. Video posted online shows a dog positively identifying a stick vacuum cleaner as the source of a hidden iPhone handset. Ministers for Home Affairs said on Twitter yesterday afternoon the program is beneficiary of $5.7 million budget boost. Dogs don't have a field day when it comes in here. <laughs> I mean, like he hits the hits the cocaine man. Does you, like, know what, you watch when when uh, Brian on Family Guy yeah. became a drug <laughs> drug dog and he hilarious. got addicted to cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got like thirty thumb drives and SD cards sitting in front of me. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, you, are they looking? You got one for every day of the month or something? Oh, they're just. I don't even know. <laughs> the, and I, I keep doing it and I keep annoying myself that I do it. I keep buying black ones that I can't write on in Nico. I keep saying <laughs> to myself, learn, don't buy black ones. And sure enough, I buy black ones. Uh, get one of those silver pens now. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't know. It, it's if, if you want to hide data, you don't hide it in the house that you're living in. Wouldn't it be encrypted anyway? So they'll be like, ha we got your SD if you're card smart, that we can't decrypt. If you're smart enough to encrypt your data, you're probably smart enough to go, not get caught with it. <laughs> so, you know, yep. like, I don't know, cloud storage. Or, yeah. <laughs> or not physical device storage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't I, I, I don't even pretend to understand anymore. They had to. They got seven and a half million dollars to do something. So let's train a couple of dogs for seven million dollars. Well, Queensland tourist industry just got what they get sixty million or something to bring people in, and they're offering you fifteen hundred dollars to move into Queensland. Really? If you work in the tourism sector or something, <laughs> it's like. There is no tourism. You've killed the tourism. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make next year's going to be election year, so let's spend all the money and try and bribe everyone again. Yeah, well. Worked all right four years ago. Yeah, well, they've had a Palajo back in, didn't they? Yeah. So, you know, obviously people have a very short-term <sighs> memory. <laughs> um, I hey? I forgot. What are we talking about? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> Why are you following me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, Singapore orders Facebook and Twitter uh, to post correction notice on COVID variant falsehoods. 
Singapore has instructed Facebook and Twitter to carry correction notices on posts claiming there's a local strand of COVID-19. Um, so basically they're saying that it would require a correction notice to all end users um, who access Facebook, Twitter and Hardware Zone and a few other sites um, saying that there's a, a Singapore variant of COVID and said there is no Singapore variant of COVID uh, neither is there any evidence of any mutations of COVID-19 um, the, uh, they're talking about all the you know these highly mutated dangerous deadly ones that are supposed to exist double is mutated that I read this week in a news article is a double mutated one um, I don't understand even what that means no. isn't neither, mutated mutated neither is the person who said it um but yeah, these are the the Singa the Ministry of Health in Singapore said that there is no such thing as mutated strains of COVID. There's there's COVID. That's it. It's a it's a it's a virus. It's it's just a virus. Get over it. So said any any Facebook post. They've obviously only got this power in Singapore. In yep. uh, but they're saying any any Facebook or Twitter post that says anything about mutated virus strains, they're gonna have to have uh the Facebook truth police on the tail. Uh. So. I found that interesting that they're actually using the pro the platform in which it was designed to be used. <laughs> Holy crap. How'd that what? happen? <laughs> that doesn't uh, happen very often. That's it for me for stories. How about you? Um, Just a couple. Well, this just a quick one just because it's funny. Well, yep. I, I say funny because it didn't happen to me. <laughs> uh, like a mobile hit with $600,000 fine. After not passing on emergency info on two hundred and forty six thousand lines. Oh. So the ACMA, the Australian Communication Media Authority, um, has issued them with infringement notice following what is called I just love this bit. A prolonged and large scale customer data failure which could have put people in danger. Uh-huh. Its investigation found two hundred and forty five thousand nine hundred and two instances where Telco failed to pass on information to Telstra so it could maintain the integrated public numbers database used by emergency services responding to triple O calls. Telco has their responsibilities to help people safe, blah, blah, blah. So basically what that is, so every time you put a phone number into service or you port a phone number to a different provider, you then have to put that into the public, or the provider puts that into the public numbers database so that if you make a phone call to an emergency service, Triple like O, uh, they know the default the default location. So if a landline, they know it's attached to that house. If it's a mobile, it's attached to that house, and then they can work whether it's there or whether you're somewhere else. But they have the you know the person who owns the phone and and that yep. sort of stuff. That's why you, when you sign up for a plan, even if it's a prepaid, you have to give your driver's license for proof of identity so that they can attach that number to you theoretically it's only ever used for emergency calls yep. so it has to be done I believe it's within 72 hours or something like that I did read this article early but I can't remember it has to be done basically pretty quick um, how quick were they doing it? so the report found that they weren't doing it expediently uh, and sometimes it was taking them up to 9 years Jeez. <laughs> how many phones have we gone so, through in 9 years? given that there was, and I love their, their clarification here, 
There was 5,671 instances where the telco did not upload data to the IPND for between three days and nine years. (laughs) (laughs) It did not also did not upload complete and accurate information for 240,000 customers, with over 210,000 customers being listed as connected to the IPND, which they were not. The register also found another 4,500 instances where they failed to check for ID before signing up a customer. <laughs> it's also a problem. Which, it, I mean, it's great if you want to burn a phone. That's exactly what you want. I was just thinking to <laughs> <It's>, say that. <laughs> it's perfect for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want a phone. Here's me money. Yeah, Here's a phone. Exactly. See ya. That, that's how. That's, that's it. <laughs> Uh, preliminary investigation also claimed Telco failed to take a customer's name 84 times. <laughs> How many times did he try and tell them? <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. So just one customer 84 <laughs> times he tried to tell them and they wouldn't listen. Um, like, I get... Yeah, and then the remaining... Um, and then there was another 45 instances where they do not accept that the actual customer name was entered. They appear to be, ke- <laughs> and I quote, they appear to be keyboard smashers. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. McClubbs again. McClubbs, <laughs> <laughs> McClubbs of the plan, McClubbs. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so, basically, beyond the fine, they needed to have an independent audit now. Yep. And implement the recommendations. Should further infringements be found, they could be taken to federal court where they could face penalties of up to $250,000 per breach. Whoa. <coughs> 250000 per breach divided by 204 or times 246,000 breaches. Maybe that'll uh, get him to do something finally. <laughs> Maybe that'll make him go bye bye. <laughs> so, uh, but having, I don't know what's more upsetting: the fact that it took them nine years to put these numbers on the database, or the fact that it's taken nine years for somebody to realise these numbers haven't been put on the database. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, I get that they're supposed to report that, but. Wouldn't you should part know of, they're not doing it. But wouldn't part of their statistics go, hey, we um, we put 5,000 phones online, numbers online, you know, we connected 5,000 lines this month. And then wouldn't the database guys go, well, how come we've only got 12 records? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how far has it had to go before somebody's noticed that this is a problem? Yeah, nine years worth by the sound of it. Apparently. And the, it's probably the length time of the company's been around. And they're not exactly a small company. I mean, they're a multinational company. Yeah. So how many? Well, they've been what are other countries. No, they've been around longer than that. They started in Australia in 2010. Ah. They they've been around since 2004, I think I was reading. But yeah, I mean, how many small, independent phone companies? You know, if they're only just getting around to auditing one of this big multinational one now. How many of these tiny companies don't have that information on record? That's so. a good question. We will find out in uh, 2030. Yeah, yeah, another nine years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and coffee.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us Will or Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au and go to AussieTechRadio.com 24-7 back-to-back play of the tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. See you next time. Bye. Bye.